Welcome to My Bible Study, a verse-by-verse devotional study through the Bible with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. In this unique series, Pastor Bob takes you through the Bible just a few verses at a time. No preaching, just a simple Bible reading with examples and explanations of the meaning behind the scriptures. My Bible study will take you from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. Now, here is Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello everyone everywhere, this is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to My Bible Study, a verse-by-verse walk through the Bible. We're so blessed that you're joining us this day. We are studying the book of Genesis. Up through now, we've gone through the first five chapters of the book of Genesis, and today we'll be going into chapter 6. Praise the Lord. Let's first go to the Lord with a word of prayer, and then we'll go ahead and get started with today's Bible study. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for your word. Your word that became flesh and walked among us, lived among us as a man in the form of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice in our behalf. Thank you, Father, for raising him from the dead as an example for our resurrection. Thank you, Father for the blessing you have given to us through Jesus Christ. Whose we are, whom we serve, we serve with this broadcast as your word goes forth throughout the world, touching people's hearts and changing their lives. To you we give all honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Join me in our profession of faith, commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed. Hallelujah. Be sure you repeat these words out loud, at least loud enough for your own two ears to hear. Praise the Lord. And we just want to honor God with this. I call it laying our solid foundation of faith. Praise the Lord. And we have to have a foundation upon which we build. And I do this each and every Sunday just to remind myself, to remind you, to remind the devil, to remind the Holy Spirit that we're building this foundation on the Word of God. Amen. Just repeat this after me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. But the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended up into heaven and is seated now at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And I believe in life everlasting. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're just so blessed that you're joining us today. I'm trying to go live on a new platform here. Hallelujah. We're going to see if we can get this to work. Uh, Lord, hallelujah. We're just so blessed that you're joining us. Now, today we are going to be talking about Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And so get your Bibles out. Let's turn over there. Hallelujah. 
and we're going to begin reading in verse number one. I was over on seven. There we go. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. I love that verse. That means that something, somewhere, has been fulfilled. When you see that word, and it came to pass, that means that God has already said this was going to happen. God said it, and now it has come to pass. So what came to pass? Well, the multiplication upon the earth, that's one thing. Amen. When, you know, the multiplying across the face of the earth is what, you know, that's populated, I guess you could say, the, not just populated the earth, but that fulfilled man's part in having dominion in the earth. That's, that's the point I was trying to get to. God told Adam to go forth, multiply, and to take dominion of this earth. Now, hello everybody out there on Facebook land. We're so glad you're joining us. Now, it came to pass when man began to multiply on the face of the earth, daughters were born to them. Well, wouldn't it make sense that sons and daughters were being born to them? Yeah, as we're going through Genesis, we've seen an epic battle emerge. You know, just to recap a little bit, Genesis chapter 1, before sin, man was given the job of subduing the whole world, not for his own you know, benefit, but for God's glory, right? But because of our sin, we tried to subdue, we tried to subdue the world and each other for our glory. We wanted to be God. That was the sin of Adam. You know, the devil planted the thought that God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you, and now you can be God in this earth. You can have the power of God. And man believed that. You know, God promised that one person, when, when the sin happened, when the fall came, God said, there's one coming. There is one coming that one day will crush the serpent. The serpent doesn't know who it is. Okay? He's looking around. He sees Adam. He sees Eve, he says he sees Cain, and he sees Abel. So it has to be one of them. And looking a little closer at him, he sees Cain isn't fully on board with all of this. And he must have thought Cain was the one that God was talking about. So he decided he would corrupt Cain even further, getting him to the point of killing the only other option, which was Abel. That was Satan's plan. He said that would eliminate Abel from being the seed, and it would eliminate Cain from being the seed. I win. That's Satan's plan. Now, you know, the legacy of the seed of the serpent through Cain was one filled with, in the devil's eyes, great achievement, but it was all done without God. You know, by the seventh generation we studied that, you know, more... Morally deprived people have now come on. You know, lustful men like Lamech, right? Genesis chapter 4, we studied that. He even commits murder. 
Yeah, but God preserves the seed of the woman, though Satan tried to kill him, by giving Adam and Eve Seth. So now another hair comes in. And I know that had to be, you know, if Satan had hair, he's probably pulling it out like, golly. But by the seventh generation through Seth, we have Enoch, who walked by faith, walked with God, was a friend of God. And God didn't even allow him to die. He just took him home. Right? So still, they're waiting for the deliverer to come. You know, if anybody, it should have been Enoch. But Enoch, God took him to heaven. And so he's like, when is this going to happen so I know who to fight here? Well, in Genesis chapter 6, we see that Satan's going to try a new approach. He's going to invade the entire human race with his army of demons and destroy God's original design of marriage. And boy, can we see that happening in this day and hour as well. It's still a demonic influence. This homosexual lifestyle, the, the transgenderism, the you know, destruction of marriage is all part of Satan's plan. And we see, we see it being fulfilled in our society today, right? So, you know, if Satan thinks if he can destroy marriage, there is no way the promised seed would ever be born. But, you know, Satan can't do anything. He can do absolutely nothing at all unless man gives Satan room to operate. We saw that with Cain. The enemy was crouching at the door, God said. The enemy was right there at the door. Keep it closed. Don't open the door. God had counseled him that sin starts off small and hidden, only to emerge later in gigantic proportions, right? And, and guess what we're going to see now in Genesis chapter 6? Sin has reached its boiling point, leading God making the decision to judge sin right then. Now, satanic footholds become satanic strongholds. If you give Satan a foothold in your life, I can guarantee you within just a matter of time, that foothold will become a stronghold. And it's a whole lot easier to get rid of the foothold than it is to try and remove them once a stronghold has been established. Think about war. Think about D-Day. Right? Germany controlled everything. And the planning of D-Day, the secrecy of D-Day, the execution of D-Day was designed to do one thing. Get a foothold on the continent. That's all it was designed to do. Just get us a foothold, a beachhead, where we can start offloading these supplies and the invasion forces. And from there, it just spread out. But if they would have failed on D-Day, it would have been a whole lot harder. And that was Germany's whole plan. Just don't let them come ashore. Once they came on shore, just stop them right there. We'll bring more of the army. That's why they had General George Patton with a diversionary tactic thinking that the, and even 
Hours after D-Day started, Germany still did not believe it was going to be at Normandy. They thought for sure Patton would be leading the charge, and they had, you know, the the Ghost Division up farther north. So they had all the German army was focused up there, waiting to, you know, destroy Patton as he came up ashore. Instead, Normandy got a foothold. Once they got that foothold in, they started spreading out from there, and the rest is history, literally. Okay. But that's what happens when you have a foothold and you allow the devil to get a foothold in your life. He starts spreading out into other areas and it becomes a stronghold and it's a lot harder to get rid of them. Look what happens now in chapter 6, verse 2. The sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Well, let's look at this, because these are hotly debated verses, and there's many views on what this scripture means. Who are the sons of God? One view says that the sons of God could be from the line of Seth. Okay, that makes sense. The godly seed of the woman, right? The godly seed of the woman who lusted after women, the daughters of men. This, this view basically says that Seth's lineage lusted after the women of Cain's lineage, okay, from the line of Cain, and which, you know, was demonic, you know, because of the, uh, the sin that Cain had and, and all that, you know, the demonic stronghold that Satan had in his life, that that corrupt lineage through Cain intermingled with the pure lineage of Seth, and that this created uh, a mixed race, if you want to call it that. And this mixture of good and evil naturally was impure in God's eyes. And, and you know, that's, the, that's one point of view on what this verse means. Okay? Now, are there other human rulers coming? Sure. Okay, the sons of God can also refer to human beings, but typically in the Old Testament, the Son of God refers to angels. You can read about that in, in Job chapter 1 uh, and chapter 2, and also in verse uh, chapter 38 of Job. But the sexless spirit beings of angels having sexual relations with flesh and blood, didn't Jesus say that angels don't marry? Matthew twenty two thirty. So proponents of this view could say that the sons of God are fallen angels that invaded the human race, possessing unbelievers' bodies in order to marry women. Their offspring would be human. Okay, but satanic influence can limit the chances of the promised seed being born. In other words. These fallen angels, these demonic spirits, basically possessed human bodies and did all sorts of lewd things in an effort to have sinful desires in the body, which would have created a corrupt lineage. Okay? There's difficulties which, with whichever view you want to take, and there's pluses and minuses on each one. Each side can bring forth their arguments about why this is so, and, and you know, basically it boils down to what makes the most sense, not to you, but biblically. Okay. 
you don't have to agree with me. Because there's, like I said, there's, you take whatever point of view you want. But it seems to me that given the context and the theme of the epic, ba epic battles that are taking place and what we've read so far in the book of Genesis, I kind of lean towards the fallen angelic view. Okay? And let me give you a couple reasons why. First is the language. The text contrasts the daughters of men to the sons of God. Now, we know that you know, when offspring come up forth, there's going to be sons and there's going to be daughters. So why the contrast between the sons versus the daughters? Okay? The language simply implies there's a difference between the creations, the creatures of God, and the creations, the creation, the creatures of men. There's a difference there. Why was that distinction made? There's the earliest interpretation. One commentator, state, commentator states that the angel interpretation is at once the oldest view and the same view of the most modern commentary commentators. So it's assumed in the earliest Jewish writings, uh, which the book of Enoch, I know that is not a considered uh, a uh, actual scriptural interpretation of the Bible. However, it's old enough that it has to be considered. Okay, But, you know, Josephus wrote on this, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, you know, all these things, the earliest Christian writers also took this line that it symbolized and referenced fallen angels. Okay? In the New Testament, you look at 1 Peter 3, chapter, I mean, chapter 3, verse 18 to 20, uh, you know, regarding this as well. This, the passage itself is diff, it's another difficult passage to interpret and understand. But my understanding is after Christ died on the cross and his body was buried in the tomb, his spirit went to proclaim, not to preach, but to proclaim certain spirits in prison. Who are the spirits? Peter says that they were there because of the times of Noah. Look over at 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. And it says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, right? If God spare not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them in the chains of darkness to be reserved unto the judgment, and did not spare the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Right? So here you have Peter himself talking about this. So there are angels chained in gloomy darkness. And again, Noah was mentioned there as well. Okay, so all these New Testament passages, Jude chapter 6, all three New Testament passages teach us that there are certain angels, certain demons in prison right now because of something that happened in Noah's day. Not at creation, not at the fall uh, where Adam and Eve sinned, but because of what happened in Noah's day. Specifically specifies that time frame. So that, that's a big plus in, in my opinion about what these scriptures here in Genesis chapter 6 are actually talking about. Okay? We also can see throughout the, the Gospels that, that demonic spirits want and need human bodies. You, know, you can see that in Mark 
chapter 5, Luke chapter 8, chapter 11. So for all these reasons, I think that what you have here in Genesis 6 is a demonic possession, a demonic invasion, basically. Satan and his demons hatching a plan to move in to kill off the human race from ever having this promised seed come to be. Thank you for joining Pastor Bob as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible in this series called My Bible Study. We pray this study will bring you closer to God and reveal His Word and His will for you through the Scriptures. We would consider it an honor and a blessing if you would support this outreach with your financial offerings. We have partnered with Patreon to offer you unique gifts and benefits for various levels of giving. Please visit our page on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. That link again is patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.